Hello, welcome back to Little MB. This is my third time attempting to do this episode because it's kind of a hard one to do. It doesn't have an exact direction. And so I apologize in advance if I wander. It's just that I recently read a book and I actually read it twice within two weeks. And it's called 1984. And a lot of people talk about the predictions it made. Because 1984, it was written about the future. Because it was originally published, I believe, in 1949. And so it talks about a lot of things that actually, in a sense, have come to pass. You know, um... And a lot of it is stuff that we are currently going through. We've been going through, currently going through. It's essentially about a man named Winston that lives in England. He lives in London. And it's part of a nation called Oceania, which is the United States, all the Atlantic Islands, including Great Britain. Then there's another nation called Eurasia, which is all Europe and Russia, in the countries around it. And then there's Eastern Asia, which is China and everything south of it, along with the Japanese islands and Pacific islands. And (laughs) they're a constant war with each other. There's always a war and they're always changing alliances and enemies. So at one minute, Oceania is allied with Eurasia fighting East Asia. And then out of nowhere, it switches to where Oceania is allied with Eastern Asia fighting Eurasia. And so it, it's just constant, just constantly changing. And in the book, one of the big things is is the government, they call it's called Big Brother. It's supposed to be a guy that created this party that's in charge of Oceania. And I think the guy's actually figurative. It never comes out and says one way or the other whether the guy actually exists or not, but he is the figurehead. And so Big Brother rewrites history to suit it. So if they are allied with Eurasia fighting Asia, that's the way their history reads for the entire time the wars have been going. And then when the alliance changes to where they're allied with Eastern Asia, fighting Eurasia, then they have to change all the history books, all the news articles, everything. And it's to try to establish that Big Brother's never wrong. It's to establish Big Brother's never wrong. And... It, Winston is a lot of it's a conversation with himself, you know, Winston thinking this, Winston thinking that. And one of the things that he marvels at is he wonders if people truly forget, if people truly forget. Because if somebody screws up, they call it getting vaporized, so they just disappear. That person is wiped from the records. And 
it's almost as if nobody ever remembers that that man actually, or woman, actually existed. And that kind of control over history in the book is interesting to me because there's a lot of correlations between then and now, between what took place in that book and now. <clears throat> I mean, you take them eliminating all the Confederate statues and monuments and stuff like that from the Civil War. And which to a certain extent, I, I have no issue with. I, I think monuments are half stupid. You know, I don't, I don't need a statue of Abe Lincoln to remember Abe Lincoln was the 16th president and he was in power during the civil war. I don't, I don't need a statue of that. I don't need a monument of that, but the way that this storyline goes, makes me wonder about ours, the way that they have eliminated history as people know it. Um, part of the story, this guy's going around trying to find somebody that remembers the time before the inner party takes over, but before the party takes over Oceana and because Oceana's big thing is, is it was so much worse. The people were so much worse off. They were enslaved by the capitalists and this, that, and the other thing. And so he's trying to find people, and nobody remembers. And so, it, like, the way that they're destroying these Confederate monuments makes me wonder, is there going to be a point in time, a hundred years from now, after all these monuments have been destroyed, when our government essentially tries to start claiming slavery never took place? You know what I'm saying? That, that's the scary thing about destroying historical landmarks or monuments. That's the scary thing about it. So it's kind of interesting. The book is not that great of a book, but by the same token, it is. If you haven't read it, it's not an exciting, super active story. But it's still rather interesting. Um, I think you'll have better luck reading it if you listen to it, get an audio book of it. Which, if you go on iTunes, there's different copies. I got one that's actually labeled unabridged. Peter, I don't remember Peter's last name. He's the narrator for it. I think the book was like 13 bucks. So it was reasonable. And... <laughs> it's a lot easier. Preview the audios. You can preview the audios on iTunes. So you'll at least get a narrator that doesn't suck if you do that. But a lot of people have always talked about 1984 being predictive. It was a prediction of what was to come. And George Orwell called it because he wrote it in, 19, I think it was published 1949. Before we even ended up in, in, in war with, at war with uh, Korea over there. And 
There's three super states, Oceania, which is the U.S. and England. There's Eurasia, which is Europe and Russia and countries surrounding it. And then there's Eastern Asia, which is the Japanese and Pacific Islands with China and the country south of China. Kind of predictive because, once again, remember, he wrote that in 49. And that's essentially, essentially what we have right now. It has been done in a different manner. And, and some things are divided up a little bit different. Obviously, we have Western Europe like as allies with us for, for the most part. But there's still those three superpowers. And in the book, they're constantly at war with one another. Constantly at war. One of the mottos that's written on one of the ministry buildings is war is peace. And it helps keep peace within the country being at war all the time. Another one of the sayings is freedom is slavery. If you read the book and you figure out what the hell that's supposed to mean, let me know. Because I've, I've read the book twice in the past two weeks and I just haven't been able to pick up on it. And the last one is ignorance is strength. Which basically is you keep the people stupid and that's, a, that's your strength. Because they have no idea what in the fuck's actually going on. See? But it's... it talk, They got the thought police in this book. Where you can actually get in trouble for what you think. Whether you actually do something or not, you can actually get in trouble for what you think. And... You get spied on, they got telescreens, which is essentially a television. They call it a telescreen. And it's, they broadcast propaganda through the damn thing, 24-7. And at the same time, it's able to receive video and audio as well. So, I mean, we have that with our smart TVs that have cameras that watch us. We have our smartphones, which listen to us. And we willingly carry that shit around. And it's... I mean, if you don't think it's that bad... I mean, check this out. I was listening to Spotify. Listening to a Doc Watson song. uh, Well, his version of Tom Dooley. And in his version, he actually says the name of the woman that gets murdered and her name's Lori Foster. So I listen to this song once or twice because I thought it was just a cool song. Next time I go on to Facebook, I'm getting suggested a page for a Lori Foster. And it's like, okay, they heard that through a song that was playing on my phone. I didn't even say the name. So they're, they're listening to us and taking into account that Biden was wanting, whether it passed or not, who knows, they're already fucking listening to us. They want to legalize, it's what they're wanting to do. But he was wanting to control being able to monitor all of our text messages because he's worried about disinformation and misinformation and things of that nature. When it comes to vaccines, you know, basically those of us who have problems with the vaccine. And 
it's really kind of interesting the correlations that can be made, you know? Another one is, is rockets are constantly dropping on the people of London. Coincidentally, mostly the poor people. And it's to keep the people riled up and willing to be at war with these other countries. Well, what's the correlation with that? There's a correlation, you know, there's, I'm not accusing one way or the other. I'm just saying there's a lot of questions that need to be answered regarding 9-11. You know, with with all those pages, 20-some pages of the 9-11 report dealing with Saudi Arabia and their involvement not being released and supposedly there was some Saudi prince on the balcony of the White House and this is supposedly confirmed you know during the attacks there's questions so you know did the government basically attack ourselves or allow us to be attacked to give us cause to go to war because guess what we were in a recession at the end of Clinton's administration people don't realize that they don't remember it that's why Bush originally did a tax cut to try to spur the economy then all of a sudden 9-11 happens we're immediately at war with Afghanistan and two years later at war with Iraq and how many wars have we been in since I mean, Obama got us into Syria, Libya, Yemen, just all kinds of shit, you know? It's really, really kind of interesting, the correlations that can be made between that book and what's going on. And the book, in the book, the government, Big Brother is the figurehead for Oceana, Big Brother controls its history. It rewrites history to suit what it wants dictated to the people. We have that. We have that even in the little ways, you know? It, it, it literally rewrites history in this, Big Brother literally rewrites history in the sense that if they're at war with Eurasia and allied with Eastern Asia, and then that changes, all the newspaper articles get changed, books get changed, and everything to say that they've always been allied with the other person and at war with the other person. In the character Winston notices that people just accept this. They just accept it as gospel. And that's really went on with this vaccine. You know, they've come out and said all kinds of stupid shit from day one about COVID and this vaccine. And when it gets proven wrong, they just move on. They just refuse to address the shit. They refuse to explain why we should listen to them now as opposed to before when the shit changes. They don't care. It's, no, you need to forget about that. You just need to remember this. You know, and tell me I'm wrong with that. Because it's exactly what they're fucking doing. You know, it really has me kind of scared because originally I, I gave two shits when they started t 
tearing down Confederate monuments from the Civil War. Originally, it's just like, who gives a shit? You know, it's not going to, it doesn't change anything. But it really, this book really made me wonder because the concept is there's parts of the book where Winston, the main character, is trying to find people who are old enough to remember what the world was like before this huge war started, before this party takes over and started rewriting all this history. He wanted to find somebody to remember what it was. And so that really made me wonder about the Confederate monuments. What's going to happen 50 years from now once all the monuments are gone? Or 100 years from now? Is there going to be some point when they try to claim slavery never occurred in this country? I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous, but it is possible. And here's the thing. I know there's some of you that are saying, well, we got the internet, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? <clears throat> China controls their internet. You think for one second that there couldn't be something happen in our country to where the government seizes control of the internet and starts wiping out what it considers to be bad information and replacing it what they consider to be good information. And for people like me, yes, I'm going to remember. I got I love history. I got a good memory for history. So I'll always be able to talk about it. If if they were to do something like this, I'd be I'd be killed. No, no doubt about it. But what's going to happen 50 years after that change has taken place? There's going to be nobody left to talk about the truth of what actually happened. You see what I'm saying with that? There's going to be a certain point in time to where there's going to be no way to prove one way or the other. So it is actually possible. And it, to me, it's scary as hell. It's scary as hell. It's bad enough now where you don't know what to believe and what not to believe on the internet. You just don't. But you take some place like China where they dictate what you get to see on the internet, how many people over there don't know what the truth is? You know, that's why this book is so scary. Because you can see a correlation between what's in this book and things that have happened, are happening, and is very possible to happen. I definitely suggest getting the book and reading it. Like, and like I said, I know I didn't really sell it in regards to talking about it's not that great of a book because it's, you know, it, it, it reads like it's something historical. It reads like it's historical to a certain extent. So it, it can be hard to read, but I'd still read it. There's also a chapter where this guy's reading 
and, and that that's the thing the the sayings of big brother are war is peace freedom is slavery and ignorance is strength there's a part where the character gets a book written by somebody that's supposed to be underground and fighting against big brother and Orwell actually writes two chapters. He writes the one, Ignorance is Strength and War is Peace. And so you actually read those two chapters. You don't read the, get to read the one, that Freedom is Slavery. So maybe that's why I didn't pick up on what that one actually means. But um, it's... I tell you, it's, it's just really crazy to me. It's one of those books that's just like, wow. It's almost like getting hit in the gut because it's like, you know, with the telescreens recording your every movement because they got them posted all over the place, all over the city and things like that. So all your movements, they're in your home. They're in your home. So, I mean, it can see what you're doing in your home. It's listening to you. And they might, like, they have the thought police and they can tell a lot of stuff by facial expressions. There's a part about that in there. About how important it is to put on a good act even with facial expressions. So you don't get picked up by the thought police. And we kind of have the thought police too. It's not to that extent where you're getting picked up by the law, but it's to the extent to where you can get kicked off Twitter or Facebook if your thoughts don't coincide with what they want. You know, it's, like I said, it's an interesting book. And I know I talked about Romania correlating it to this book. And this is one of the places where why I've been having to re-record this episode is because it can just go in so many different directions. I'll try to keep it simple. I talked about how the poor people of Romania, which is the overwhelming majority of the poor people, they find happiness in the small things because they know they're never going to get more. Well, in this book, there's three classes of people. The inner party, outer party, and then the proletariats, which are the poor people. So the inner party's the rich. The outer party's the middle class. And then the proletariats are the poor. And it talks about keeping them oppressed, the proletariats oppressed, essentially so they have no concerns other than making it from day to day. And so that correlation is kind of interesting, too, because you see the same thing here. You know, it's the middle class that really gets upset with stuff. It's the middle class. And the book talks about how when there's revolutions, it's the middle class wanting to overthrow the upper class so they can be the upper class. And then whoever's left from the upper class essentially falls into the middle class. Some of the middle class stay middle class. Then the poor always stay poor. You know, a lot of times the middle class will get the poor to uprise with them and overthrow the upper class. But then when the dust settles, the poor are still poor. They're still oppressed. They never get any better. We essentially have that here. 
the majority, overwhelming majority of poor people I know, they're the ones that find the major find happiness in the smaller things in life. They don't have to go out and buy a new car to be happy. They don't have to buy a brand new TV or Xbox to be happy. You know, they they're you know they're happy with something used, as long as it works. You know, they're they're happy with spending time with friends. It's not some big competition. You have that competition in the middle class with, oh man, I want to have a nice new truck too. I want to have, you know, well shit, Bill's got that. I, I, I deserve to have that too, you know. It's the middle class that talks about the 1%. Well, guess what? There's always going to be that 1%. Because all that 1% is is the richest people in the country. That's all it is. There's always going to be the richest 1%. History has shown that. When you look at communist nations, guess what? They still have that richest 1%. And they're the ones in control. We have that here with our democracy. The difference is, it's a lot easier. Not that it can't be achieved in a poor country, in a communist country. Uh, who was it, Khrushchev? He, he, he was poor, and then he ended up becoming the leader after Stalin. But um, it's a lot easier to make yourself better off in a democracy with capitalism. Much better. Much easier. Most people don't have what it takes to do it because they don't have the discipline. They Plus people, it used to be about family. History used to be about family. And it's really kind of interesting how this country took the desire to make family better off. It was about obtaining land in possession to pass on to your family and then it would stay in the family for years. Well, one of the things that our Constitution did was took away the property automatically going to the firstborn son. It took that away. And it started making, like over time, it got to where people were worried about me. Worried about me. You know what I'm saying with that? It, like, very few people want to sit and realize, you know what, this is the best it's going to get. My life will be much easier if I just make myself happy, paying off the house I got, keeping my vehicle till the wheels fall off, trying to stash money and save up money to pass on to my kids to make them a little bit better off, investing money to make it better, worth more. And then those kids will, would end up needing to do the same thing. And then eventually they're going to be rich. You know, that family would be rich eventually. Nobody wants to do that. And that's, you know, that's where the middle class starts getting upset with that 1%. But it's, it's like I said, it's the same way, like no matter where you go. 
you you over you overthrow the upper class. Guess what? The people who overthrow them, they're going to become the upper class. And then in a matter of time, you're going to have the new middle class wanting to overthrow them. And I know that's getting a little bit... Well, it's it ties into into the book, because the book talks about that occurring to a certain extent. Not into the detail I just went, but it does discuss... That that's the that that's usually the case, but it, it's a, like I said, it's a definitely interesting book because they're constantly at war in the book, and we're constantly at war now. You know, and the book makes the argument that it's not even necessary because the three super states is what they're referred to in the book. They all contain or possess enough land to where they have all the minerals and resources that they need. It's not like in past times when a country needed resources, they didn't have enough to sustain themselves, and that was why they'd go to war with somebody and try to take over. And that's that's also the same as now. We essentially have the three super states. Freedom's an illusion. That's something I've always said. And I've know I've mentioned it a time or two or forty-three times over these podcasts. But freedom's an illusion. So even with you know, we, we still consider Puerto Rico a territory, even though they have their own government. You know, the same thing essentially with like the Philippines and things like that. It's an illusion that they're free. There'd be hell to pay if they ever told us to fuck off. You know? Don't think that there wouldn't be. But the three super states, the U.S., China, and Russia, we all possess all the minerals and resources we need. We don't need to be at war with other countries for those reasons. I'm not saying there aren't other reasons to go to war, but war's a moneymaker. And war keeps people focused on other enemies than the enemies within, which would be the government that's holding us down. As far as I'm concerned, the government needs to be small, but it also needs to be strong to enforce laws. It it should be laws, as far as I'm concerned. It shouldn't be controlling day-to-day lives. And that's what we're getting closer and closer to having. And that is one of the scariest correlations to the book, is the way our government is wanting to control our lives. So it's, I know, and I apologize. I know this isn't the best podcast. Like I said, it's a, it's a hard, I, I could sit and do much better doing a podcast over the book Lonesome Dove, you know, which is a badass book. I could do a much better job with that. There's just so much in this, in 1984. There's so much in it. That's what makes it hard. 
and, hey, if there's anybody out there who's read the book and would love to sit and talk on the podcast or whatever, I'll redo this episode because that would make it a little bit better too. You know, having an actual discussion instead of me just sitting and trying to explain what's going on with it. But I do, I do promise that my next podcast will definitely be better than this. So it, I can definitely make this podcast go longer. But if I haven't gotten you interested in checking out the book yet, and, and that I, I'm not going to be able to. I'm not going to be able to in an hour, hour and a half. So I'm going to keep it short because, like I said, as far as the direction, it's kind of hard. There's so many different directions in the book, so many different correlations, you know, so many different ones that it's hard to create a path and stick to the path. So once again, I apologize for how shitty this is. I know it's shitty. I really do. But, so, I mean, this will be one of the times somebody wants to email me and tell me how shitty it is, even though I'm sitting here telling you that. But, hey, if you want to, the email is littlemb6580 at gmail.com. That is L-I-T-T-L-E-M as in Mike, B as in Bravo, 6580 at gmail.com. Sorry again, promise the next one will be better. So, until next time, y'all take care.